It's not that I don't want you here. Yeah, yeah. It's something about the way you stare into my eyes. I know that I don't make things clear. No. I fall for you every time I try to resist you. We can get away. Palm trees, beach views, ordinary day. All I wanna hear is in the visions on replay. Sit right next to you. and selling stuff is extraordinary. Entrepreneurship advice. I think the first thing is you got to understand your business inside out. Love and tech. We've almost reduced dating to kind of this very momentary snap of a person. It's going to be a fire show. I have yet to see something these days that's truly differentiated. New advice and new inspiration every show. It really is about the next generation of creators going faster, further than we did. And now, Sequoia Blodgett. Now let's start stacking them commas. On today's show, manifestation through the power of no and saying yes to your intuition. Entrepreneurship advice. <laughs> Learn from the hottest and most successful investors, founders, and innovators in the game. Determine your greatness. It's time to get your knowledge up. Okay, okay, for sure, for sure. I want to focus on something for you guys that I feel like a lot of people are going through, but they don't understand the dynamic of how to manifest what you want, right? And... I think a lot of my story and how things have come to fruition have come through manifestation and really understanding the dynamics of what the word no mean. So going back to my early career, I was directing commercials and music videos, and I was directing for some of the biggest artists in the industry at the end of my career. 
But in the beginning, I was doing a lot of work for whoever because I wanted to build a reel, right? And so eventually as time went on, I would continue to create content regardless of what the budget was, regardless of who the talent was. I just wanted to make sure that I was putting content out consistently. And then we got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm not taking certain jobs. I'm going to keep growing and I'm going to keep putting out content, but for like bigger artists. So I got opportunities to direct for K. Michelle, Justin Bieber, um, Sean Kingston, Day 26, Future, T.I. and Tiny's girl group at the time, the OMG girls, a whole bunch of artists. But those opportunities didn't come because I continued to accept whatever. Those opportunities came because I finally decided that I was going to implement the word no. And so labels would hit me up and they would be like, hey, do you want to write on this? Do you want to write on this? And in the beginning, I was taking whatever came to me. But eventually I got to the point where I was like, if I'm going to grow in this industry, then I have to start telling people no, like I have to create boundaries. And that's a lot of the reason why if you're an entrepreneur, you're not getting to where you need to go is because you don't have those boundaries. So when someone hits you up and they ask for something, likely you're going to say yes because you don't want them to judge you. You don't want them to feel a certain way. You don't want them to feel bad about it. You don't want them, like you're thinking about all the things that they're dealing with versus what you're dealing with and actually how it's benefiting you, right? And so throughout that process of me understanding that by taking just any job, I was actually shoving away the jobs that would actually make my career grow because essentially I was literally just doing whatever it took to get on, right? And I did that for a really long time. Like I would say probably about four to five years. I was just taking jobs that came through no matter what it was. It didn't matter if they were independent. It didn't matter if they were signed to a major and they just nobody knew who they were. And then when I got to that point where I was like, okay, I'm absolutely done doing this. I'm going to move forward and start taking jobs that are actually beneficial to my career. That's when I saw growth in my career. And that's when that spike happened because I started to establish those boundaries within myself. And I was like, hey, you know, this isn't going to work for me. So I wouldn't take certain jobs because I knew that I wanted to grow in the industry. And so moving forward, it came to a point where labels just got mad disrespectful with like their budgets. <laughs> like, And this wasn't their fault. It was literally a byproduct of what was going on within the industry. So you got to kind of adjust to the market as well. So even though I had established myself as a director and a pretty credible director and was getting jobs that, you know, most directors were bidding on, like the bigger directors, I still had to shift with the wave of the industry. So when technology hit the industry and we had to figure out what our next career move, we as an I had to figure out what my next career move was. When technology hit the industry, the budget dropped significantly. So they went from... I would say on the high, my biggest budget was a $250,000 budget. And that was Sean Kingston and Justin Bieber, a video I co-directed with my mentor, Ray K. So that was like on the high. And then my biggest budget by myself was a $150,000 budget through Capitol Records for a video that I directed. And then I would get hit up by the labels and they'd be like, hey, we have a $50,000 budget. We have a $20,000 budget. And then it got to the point where they were like, we have a $2,000 budget. I kid you not. And this was for a really established artist. They're established now, but at the time they weren't established. They were just building a name for themselves. But I took that job, right? Thinking because the label was like, hey, this artist is going to grow. This artist is going to, you know, obviously mature as an artist, thinking that it would actually benefit me in the long run. And it didn't like it did not do anything for my career. It didn't move my career forward. It actually was just a job that I got a bunch of friends to kind of help out on. Right. And so sometimes we put ourselves in those positions where we think, OK, if we work with a certain person or if we do something for a certain person, then it'll benefit our career. And that's not necessarily the case all the time sometimes it's just staying true to who you are 
and really standing by your value and saying no if that's like something that's beneath your value and that's something that you are beyond your boundaries and that's something that you set for yourself. So that was one of my hard lessons that I learned in the first industry or my first career that I had. And then eventually I just said no to the industry as a whole. I just literally packed it up, moved to Silicon Valley and was like, you know what? This isn't for me. Like the industry has gotten to a point where it's not sustainable. Like I was working as a freelancer. So it wasn't even like I had a nine to five to fall back on. I was literally making my money through directing. So as the industry started to shift and it became unsustainable, you know, the bigger directors who were directing massive videos were able to still kind of get those jobs here and there, but it left a lot of people trying to figure out what they were going to do next, right? So it wasn't a situation that was unique to me by any means. And I was like, no to the industry. I basically stepped away from a 10-year run as a director, as a commercial music video director. And I went to an industry that I did not know at all. Like I walked into that industry extraordinarily green, not knowing anything about how to raise funds, about venture capital, about how to build a startup, anything, right? And so I went into this school, Draper University, which is essentially the the school that helped me understand and grow my career as an entrepreneur. So that was something that I said yes to. Even though I was so green about going through the process, I still said yes because I needed to explore this other opportunity. So you got to be hyper aware of what are great opportunities and what are not so great opportunities. And that's to your own discernment because the only person that can be the judge of that really is you. So this opportunity looks like a very good opportunity for me and actually turned out to be an amazing opportunity because it opened the doors to so many things. I wasn't familiar with who Tim Draper was when I went into the program. So come to find out, Tim Draper's great-grandfather helped to start venture capital in Silicon Valley. And so because of that, he had every single relationship that ever exists on the planet when it comes to venture capital, startups, fundraising, the ecosystem, like he hands down has it on lock, right? His friends are like Elon Musk, right? And so going through that process, even though I was so green and so nervous, I still stuck with it and I just did it. And that was something that I said yes to because even though I was fearful about making that transition, I still pushed through and I said, I'm going to leave this industry and I'm going to start a whole nother career as a whole, in a whole nother industry. And it wasn't like I was this young chick, right? Like I had been around for a minute, like I had 10 years in the game as a director. So I was literally leaving my industry to start a whole nother career. Whereas when you look at Silicon Valley tech companies, these entrepreneurs are young. Like the ones that you see going through the ecosystem and like building these startups are like 23, 24. I was like in starting my 30, like my early 30s, the very beginning of my 30s. And so even with that, my actually was I? I think so. I'm pretty sure it was either late 20s or very, very early 30s. But with that mindset, I just was like, I got to do it. I didn't let that fear stop me from moving forward. And I didn't let it become a hindrance for me at all because I said, I have to make this happen in order to be able to be successful in this industry. So I sat in Draper University and soaked up every single thing that I possibly could. I put my ear to the like every single session Our sessions were taught by the top of the top, the CEO of Airbnb, Uber, um, Rent the Runway, you name it, we had them. So basically, I'm learning from the best of the best in the business, right? And I'm starting this startup and I'm launching this startup and I go through the process of a seven-week entrepreneurship boot camp. Tim ends up funding the company. So now all of a sudden in seven weeks, I have this Delaware C Corp out of nowhere and I'm still learning. Like I'm still going through the process of growing and understanding how to actually run a business, not just have a venture capitalist invest in a company, but like actually running a business. And so I said yes to that. And I continued to truck and like 
pull my hair out to try to figure this whole process out. And it was very, very difficult. Like I brought on a co-founder who ended up basically not working out. And so we had to terminate that contract. So many things were happening. I didn't understand what type of business I wanted to actually put together. I knew when I pitched to Tim, it was a prototype. So it was an app and it was basically for it was a relationship coaching app where you could go on and like connect with relationship coaches and then very shortly after I pivoted to the wellness space and like addressing mental health so that was a whole thing and and going through this process I was consistently eating up all of this money that Tim had invested in the company because the burn rate was just happening like if I'm not making money money's going out so one one of the two are happening like nothing's just staying there right and so in order to facilitate the company and for fear of it not succeeding, I stuck around Draper and I tried to understand how to grow this business revenue-wise, right? And so I'm trying and nothing's working because I'm just not understanding the minutia of it, like the dynamic of marketing and sales and like all the grand granular details that you get into, right? And so basically throughout that process, I was like, I don't want to give up on this company. I have to sustain myself. So I am going to get jobs. And when I say jobs, I mean jobs. Because I was like, I can't work full time. Because if I work full time, I won't have the focus necessary to put into the business. So I took odd and in jobs at Massage Envy, at a gaming escape room, at a gymnastics coaching facility. And I mean... I basically was like, I'm going to do whatever I need to do to make this company succeed. And it was crazy, like to the point where I don't even understand why, like these type of jobs, I mean, I guess they exist for college students, but like you can't sustain yourself off of that. But I found that the hard, I found out that the hard way. So basically I was like, all right, this company's not growing at the rate that it needs to grow in order to be able to continue to push forward without raising more venture. So I basically had to say no again. I had to say no to the company. I had to say no to the job. So I remember that week because I had, I probably had all these jobs at one time, to be honest. So I remember that week going in and like one by one being like, hey, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to have to quit. And they're just like, oh my gosh. Because nobody, like I felt like I had this hidden secret story because nobody knew that I was going through all of this stuff. And I'm going through this process and I'm like, I can't do it. Like I have to, I have to go ahead and quit. And they're like all sympathetic about it. Not knowing that like I'm, I have this alternative life on the other side. Right. And so eventually I quit all of those jobs and I was like, I need a full-time job because there's no way that I'm going to be able to build this company without having more money uh, infused into the company. So Basically, I looked at Facebook, I looked at Pandora, and I looked at Black Enterprise. And going through the process of looking at Facebook and Pandora, so Pandora was very similar to what I was doing when I was directing, except it was a producer role, so I was dealing with all of the financing, and that's just not my thing. Like, I am a creative at the core. When it comes to financing, I do not get excited about it. I can do it. I love I love money, but I'm not excited about like budgeting out and making sure that we're hitting our bottom line, right? Like that doesn't get me up in the morning. So basically, I did the interview at Pandora because I knew it was easy for me, but I was like, this is just not a fit, right? And that's something that I had to say no to again. I had to tell myself, even though this is a job that you would absolutely do without a shadow of a doubt, you're not going to be happy. You're probably going to be miserable going through this process. And I really, really just think you should reconsider. And so I told myself no. And I talked to a bunch of people around me and they're like, Pandora, that's perfect. You can go to. And I was just like, I can't do it. And so then Facebook popped up and that was a six month interview. And I'm not even joking, a six month interview. And the reason why is because they outsource a lot of their candidates because it's such a large company. So they go through agencies to hire certain roles. And so I was going through this agency. They had brought us to Facebook. We had pitched. It was a great meeting and it just drew out 
out for so long. And it just didn't feel right in my spirit. And that's something that you guys should really think about as you guys are going through this this process of building your company or if you're still at a nine to five. What is your spirit telling you? Like, what is your intuition telling you? Because if you want to manifest your dreams, you got to be on track with that. So you can't be doing a hundred different things that aren't in alignment with what you want, right? It has to be very specific. Even if you have to do a little bit of things to get to that point, odd and end things to get to that point, you still want to be very specific with what the end goal is. And I knew that if I had taken that position at Facebook, that I would have been unhappy, right? So then Black Enterprise pops up and they come into play and I'm like, okay, this is definitely not what was on my radar. This is very different. And they were looking for a tech editor or a journalist in Silicon Valley to cover tech. And the first thing that I immediately went back to is my creative background. And I said, okay, I've probably written over 400 treatments in my life. A treatment is basically an idea of what a concept for a video or a commercial would look like. So I was like, like if I can write this many treatments, there is there's a very good chance that I can cover technology like in a very creative and interesting way. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try to do this. At least I know it's sustainable. It's a full time job. It's remote. So I don't have to go into the office. And I'm technically still able to be an entrepreneur. Right. I just have a nine to five connected to me. Right. So basically I went I went black enterprise with a goal, a very strong goal, though. It wasn't like, okay, I'm taking a job per se. The reason why I went to black enterprise was so I could understand how they were able to sustain themselves for over 47 years without raising any outside capital when every other legacy brand had to either raise capital or they died. So that was my rationale in terms of actually going to the company. And I knew as a creative, I could create web series. I could create podcasts. I could create content, like all the things that I was super excited about in my first career. And I would also be able to utilize that money to sustain myself and then build this company out even further, right? So I ended up signing on at Black Enterprise and quickly realizing that I just wasn't as excited about where my company was going. I just, when I had gone and pitched and gotten it off the ground and gotten a little bit of sales, a little bit of traction, I still was very much like unclear. And I just wanted to be a student and I wanted to soak up the information from Black Enterprise. I didn't want to be working on a company simultaneously. And plus, when you have a Delaware C Corp, you got taxes to pay. So it makes it that much more difficult to actually get the business to where you need to go if you're not solely focused on the business, right? And so eventually I had to say no again. So I said no to my startup. I closed my startup. I basically just let it go. And I remember sitting at a conference in New York and basically sitting there and seeing an email come across and it was from Tim Draper's team and it was like, we've sold off our shares in 7 a.m. and you don't need to do anything else and this is where we're at with it. And I was, it's like hit me so hard because I was like, I've failed. Like I've failed. And it was weird because it was a feeling that even though I had been in Silicon Valley for a good amount of time and we were taught that failure is learning and not necessarily a negative thing, it still hit me really, really hard that that company had failed, right? Because there was so much attention attached to it. I was on ABC Family on a show, Startup You. It was connected to ABC Family show. There was a lot going on. And so the pressure of knowing that that company was done it set with me and not in a good way. So I think this is a good place to take a break and let that moment just marinate. Huh. Yeah. Flower that I gotta protect to keep alive in the winter time. Hey, don't you die yet? You've been way more than a friend of mine. We more like fam. I raised you, you raised me. Let's turn this whole life round. There's magic in that. You can. The past ain't been that. 
I can take the weight up off your shoulder blades and try to store the pain inside of me. Yeah, hey, why the world do you like that? Like they don't know you guys sent for me, I view you like that. I'm sneaking glasses, thanking God that he drew you like that. Beautiful black child, come to shed your black cloud for your vibe and your smile. I don't mind a little rain. I'm your dog, ears purple, pet the sun in your name, counting your man. Wow, fire can handle your flame, download your shame. Wow, how I can drown in your freak and shoot that red pill that that Judas found in the matrix. Before I had Judas, was fantasy. You plan to see the grow some roots, a branch and leaves becomes a tree of life until our nights are filled with peace from stress and strife. And that's the blessing that I get from wife and you, cause you entrusted me with the key to your heart, beating you small. Cause even though I need a new start, due to my past transgressions, you believed in me. I guess the light I see in you is what you see in me, Lord. Say she from the west side, mm, and she see my best side, Like the summer when her and Susie, yeah, they threw a slumber. Party, but you can't I call it that cause it was slumber. Well, it was more like spending the night. Three in the morning, yawning, dancing under street lights. We chilling like a villain and a nigga feeling right. In the middle of the ghetto on the curb in the spite. All of the bullshit, we on our back, staring at the stars above. Talking about what we gon' be when we grow up. I said, What you wanna be? She said, Alive. It made me think for a minute, then looked in her eyes. I could have died. Time went on, I got grown, rhyme got strong. Mine got blown, I came back home to find little Sasha was gone. Her mama said she would a nigga that be treating her wrong. I kept on singing my song and hoping at a show that I would one day see her standing in the front row. But two weeks later, she got found in the back of a school with a needle in her arm. Baby, two months due, Sasha Thumper. Let's see from the west side, mm-hmm. and she's in my best side. off the company was failing and it didn't sit well with me regardless of that i really had to come to the conclusion that i just wasn't in the position to get that company where it needed to go and i needed to become a student all over again and so as time went on i worked with black enterprise and i just started to soak up information i understood how they were generating revenue i understood what relationships were like internally what i needed to do i helped them generate a lot of revenue through my relationships i helped them build out their tech sector which they didn't have prior those relationships weren't incubated into their company so i was instrumental in helping them with that as well and i got to the point where the entrepreneur bug hit me again and i was like i have to start another company and I'm sitting in my apartment in the Bay Area in Emeryville and I'm thinking to myself I have a week before my lease ends right I could sit out here and continue to try to run 7 a.m continue to work for Black Enterprise remotely but my heart just was not speaking to me And when I say you have to listen to your intuition a thousand percent, if your intuition is telling you something really strongly, even if that's, you know, go for it or don't go for it, you got to understand. You got to understand the difference between fear and just intuition. And it's going to be a feeling that you have. And it's going to be something that either you pay attention to or you don't. And so fear for me feels like, angst it's anxiety it's there's a a very different feeling whereas intuition I feel it in the gut of my stomach and it's like you gotta do this right now so I listened to that intuition I packed up everything I had one week before my lease was over I emailed my leasing agent and I was like I am out of here like I am done I am done with this lease and you know I'm moving out and so I found a place only by the grace of this kind, kind, kind man in 
in LA who had not met me from Adam. And he basically was like, I will give you a tour of these apartments so you can see what they look like when I called all the other apartments. Now, mind you, let me back up. My credit was crazy messed up because I basically tried to borrow against it in order to get the money to try to sustain the company because I wasn't fundraising anymore. And so my credit was totally messed up. And then I had a nine to five, but it wasn't making crazy money. So I had to come up with rent for this new apartment. And I was like, okay, I can do this. So I call around. I'm calling all these different apartments. They're running my credit. And they're like, no, thank you, girl. Like, basically, you can stay right where you are because this is not going to work for us. And so I came across this gentleman who was a part of an apartment complex in North Hollywood. And he basically was like, I'll give you a virtual tour. And he gave me the virtual tour. And I was like, again, I felt that in my gut. You got to say yes to this. You got to push for this. You got to fight for this because this is how you're going to get back to L.A. And when I tell you I did not have the money to move back to L.A., I did not have the money because everything was spent on my startup. So I'm like, how am I going to get the money? I got to get to L.A. This is like it was so it was like a burning fire in the pit of my stomach. I was like, I have got to get back to L.A. So what I did was I called around to different companies to see if I could get a loan. Now, when your credit is messed up and you try to get a loan, it is not cute. So I had a company literally quote me. It was like 300%. Like it was crazy in order to get this loan, right? And so I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take out a 300% loan in order to get back to Los Angeles. Like that's how strongly I felt about it. And it was like for, I don't know, $5,000 or something like that, like first and last month's rent. And then I called this company back in LA, the, the housing company. And they're like, we need first last month rent and we need another deposit because your credit's so messed up. And I'm like, oh, straight. You guys need $7,500? Not a problem. <laughs> like, where am I going to get $7,500 from? And so basically, by the graces of the universe, God, or whatever you believe in, I was able to hustle that money up. And I literally packed everything up, hired a moving company for super cheap off of this company, U-Ship, and basically shipped everything back out and then drove back out to Los Angeles and then moved into this apartment. So like that's how passionate I was about leaving, right? And so that was that moment where I had to say yes to myself. And I had to say no to Draper because I had been a Draper two years. So I had to say no, I'm moving out of here. I had to say no to all those other jobs. I had to say no to living in the Bay Area anymore. I had to cut off so many things that were comfortable to me. Like I definitely could have been very comfortable back in the Bay Area. But in order to fulfill that passion, I had to leave, right? And I felt that so strongly. It was not just like a little like, hey, you should do. It was so strong. So I got up and literally now was living back in Los Angeles within a week. And now I'm sitting in L.A. and I'm like, okay, what's the first move? Like, what do you want to do? You you wanted to move back here. So what exactly is it that you want to do? And I'm like, all right, I want to connect technology and entertainment. That's my goal. It was the most foreign thing because when I was in Silicon Valley, I spoke Silicon Valley language. There is a real language for Silicon Valley for anybody who's never been there. And when I was in LA, I spoke entertainment like that. That's also a real language, right? Try speaking Silicon Valley in LA. It's very confusing for the LA nights. <laughs> like they're very confused. Like Los Angeles people have no idea what you're talking about when you're talking about Silicon Valley type of tech. When they think about tech, they're thinking about digital, right? The first thing that I did when I got back here is I covered Jada Pinkett Smith's show, Red Table Talk. And we were invited to this swanky hotel and she was there with her mom, Adrian. And basically we were there to cover it as press, right? So I'm covering this show and they're like, they email me and they're like, hey, this is what we need you to do. Can you come out? Da, da, da. You're basically press slash influencer because that's like a whole thing now. Like it wasn't before I left. But OK, that's fine. And so they're like, could you come out as an influencer slash journalist, et cetera? Right. And so I'm like, all right, cool. And they're basically like, this is this is our version of tech. Like this is digital. 
we're on a digital platform. It's Facebook. So this is tech. So this is me covering tech in LA, right? I'm like, this is so different. Like in Silicon Valley, I'm talking about unconscious bias <laughs> and diversity and inclusion. And here I'm talking about Red Table Talk, right? So it was just a totally different polarity, different environment, different energy, everything, right? But I was still very much focused on creating an intersection between the two. And mind you, what I didn't mention earlier is when I was working for Black Enterprise in the Bay Area for that first year, I traveled probably 80% of the year, right? I was here, there, and everywhere. And literally, I was on a continent, a different... I woke up one day, and I was in America. The next day, I was in Europe, and then I was in Africa. Like, that's how much... In three days. That's how much I traveled when I was with Black Enterprise in the very beginning. And that's something I had to say no to, because I was like, you're not gaining anything by doing this like obviously you're seeing the world which is dope but like how does this grow and move your career forward right so that was another thing that I absolutely had to put the kibosh on so the next year when I'm in LA I'm focused I'm like I want to build another company I'm an entrepreneur at heart commas is going to be a media platform that focuses on entertainment and technology and the convergence of the two of them and it's going to speak to the people it's going to be about the culture and it's going to be all these things that is tech and fly right so that's what I tried to create in the beginning and I was like this is a lot (laughs) this isn't working because it just isn't working for me like I was passionate about media in that in the sense of like getting the message out but just not in that way like so commas took a long time to get product market fit like we really didn't know what we wanted to be for a good amount of time and I remember going back to Silicon Valley after I moved to LA and I had did a partnership with Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Draper at Draper University and brought out like the top of the top in Silicon Valley Monique Woodard Arlen Hamilton Jason Maiden Christine uh, Souffrant Tam, I brought them out and I was like, okay, guys, we're going to do this. We're going to have a dope conference that's all about like the legacy you want to leave. And I remember sitting through that conference and I was like, yo, what's the legacy that I want to leave though, right? Like I put together this fly conference with the top of the top and it's feeling sort of like the convergence of entertainment and tech because of the vibe of it, but it's not exactly there yet. So what's that legacy that I want to leave? And I remember putting that in the back of my mind and really thinking about that, but not knowing the answer yet. So fast forward back to me being in LA, spending that time trying to build out commas, trying to figure out what product market fit is, testing and retesting and reiterating and changing and pivoting and all these things to the point where I was like, okay, what is this company? Like, what am I trying to do? So back with the word of no and manifesting what I wanted, I got to the point where I was like, all right, this is not going to be a media company. This needs to be a company that helps other entrepreneurs get to where they need to go in order to grow and scale their businesses. So understanding how to build a company, understanding how to get it off the ground, understand the basis of it, right? And a lot of people were like, yo, that's so fly. Like corporations were approaching me to do sponsorships. But... I just felt like in my heart there was another direction in terms of where I wanted to go. And it wasn't necessarily about helping these people understand how to get venture capital. It was about helping them understand how to build profitable businesses, but in a fly and unique and interesting way. And so... I had to really like tell those corporations, hey, I'm excited that you guys are excited about this, but I don't necessarily think this is a fit, right? And so I went through the process of trying to understand what exactly it was, though, and that was something that was difficult for me, but it was something that was necessary. So... Fast forward, going through this process, finally get commas to where it is. It's a membership platform where you can sign up and get the courses that you need, get the education that you need, get the community that you need and the flyness and the swag and the culture that you need in order to grow and scale that business that you're working on, right? And it doesn't matter if you're going after venture, if you're looking at profitability, it just matters that you're a service or product-based business marketing to individuals. So 
I finally got that to click and that was so exciting for me going through that process and I was like all right I can breathe so what else do I want to do to kind of emphasize what we're doing to stay true to that technology and entertainment blend that I started off with so I called a producer of mine that I used to work with when I was at 100.3 the beat so that was like the very beginning of my career when I was actually working in radio I was still an intern I was in school and my producer then had moved on to another station, KFI 640. So I called him and I was like, hey, I want a radio show. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. (laughs) And I'm like, no, 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 seriously, I want a radio show. And so he just tabled it, like not paying any attention or taking me seriously. And so I was like, okay. So I started out that path of trying to figure out how to get this radio show through some relationships and talking to a friend of mine, Dr. Allie, who was on this show prior. She had a radio show on Dash. So I was like, I want a radio show on Dash. So I went and pitched and they were like, we love it. We're putting it on air, right? And so that's that man- That was the beginning of that manifestation where it was like, whoa, wait, this happened so quick. Like it literally was... I said I wanted a radio show and like two weeks later I had a radio show like it was that fast right because I knew that that's what I wanted and I knew that going through that process I had to make sure that I was extremely focused on getting it and not letting anything deter me like not letting any outside influence or anything you know anybody else's opinion basically sidetrack me right. And so when that happened, I freaked out. I was like, yo, I manifested that so fast. Like throughout my career, everything that I had put my mind to was coming to fruition, no doubt. But that scared me because it happened fast, right? And so so moving forward, I was like, okay, what's next? What else do I want to do? So now I have this podcast slash radio show. And I'm like, hey, I actually want to do TV. And I remember telling my business coach, I hired a business coach probably about a couple months ago and I was like I want to do TV and I get this call I mean I get this email out of the blue and I mean out of the blue I'm sitting in my bed looking at my phone and this email pops up and I'm like oh snap I read this email and the woman's like hey we're interested in bringing you on to meet with you about a show we're developing for a major network and I was like no way Like, no way. Like, I understand manifestation, but that was on another level, okay? Like, that happened just, like, way... Because it wasn't even like I had made an effort at that point. Like, I just had so many things in the ethos and, like, in the ecosystem, like, content-wise. It just happened, right? And so, for me... I just having all of these things happen very quickly, having all of these things, especially considering my first career took 10 years to establish, having all of these things happen very quickly, understanding where I should be and where I shouldn't be saying no to the things that I shouldn't be doing, saying yes to the things that I'm fearful of, but still needing to do. Those are the things that have allowed me to manifest what I've manifested and gotten me to where I am today. And now no is literally my favorite word. If I don't feel like it benefits me, if I don't feel like it's in alignment with my spirit or my soul, if I don't feel like it's moving me forward in some way, shape or form, I'm telling you no straight out the gate. No questions asked. No is a complete sentence, period, dot, Like there is nothing else to that. Right. And so I want to leave you guys with this. If you're going through the process and you're feeling super, super frustrated, do not let fear be the reason that you don't move forward and do not let people taking advantage of you are not having boundaries put in place be the reason that you're not succeeding because a lot of the times we accept a whole lot of things that we shouldn't accept a whole lot of bs that we shouldn't accept a whole lot of things that don't move us forward that we shouldn't accept i'm just going to leave you guys with one more example remember i said i was doing speaking engagements for a year straight none of that was paid that was me out there just speaking to just to do it and travel the world and do all the things Right. To the point where this year I was like, I'm not speaking for free for anybody unless it's Black Enterprise. If Black Enterprise needs me to speak at their conferences, absolutely. Anybody else pay me. That's it. Right. And so when that happened, I literally started getting speaking engagements and checks that were like probably more than I make in a month. Right. Like during my nine to five. So. I just say this to you guys, if you're looking to grow, if you're at that point where you're at a crossroads, you're not feeling confident, 
take the risk. If you feel it in your heart, you feel it in your intuition, take the risk. Just do it. Try it. If you fail, that's fine. Get back up, dust it off and keep it pushing. And if you feel like something isn't right, if you feel like people are taking advantage of you, if you feel like you're going in this cycle and you're not moving, you got to implement those boundaries and you got to put the word no into your vocabulary. Because once you do that, the universe will hear you and it will get you to where you need to go. But the universe is waiting for you to tell it what you need. If you're telling the universe that you need something that's not serving you over and over and over, the universe is going to continue to provide that for you. And you're going to be asking questions that don't necessarily serve you. Like, why did this happen to me? And things like that. Of course, there are freak accidents and things that happen, you know, that are out of our control. But what you can control is your thought process and your mindset. And what a lot of people don't understand is entrepreneurship is a mindset. So if you go in there with the mindset of you're going to get it and you're going to win and you're going to figure it out, then that's what's going to happen. You're going to get it you're going to win and you're literally going to figure it out, right? And you're going to find and you're going to start to attract people who are vibrating at that same frequency because they want to be around people that are just like them. So I noticed that in my life, I attract very high powered people. Like it's been like that in my entire life. And I, and it's like the top of the top. Like you can't even go further than most of these people, right? They have hit the maximum capacity of their success in their lifetime. And they're just riding that wave right now, right? And then I've attracted the low of the low. <laughs> like people that you're like, yo, throw that person right back in there because that is not somebody that I want in my life, right? And so when I realized that for myself, I had to start getting rid of that lower frequency. I had to stop vibrating at that frequency and allowing things to happen to me that I could easily prevent by just saying no, right? By just having boundaries. I know that a lot of us weren't raised with those type of boundaries, but that is something that you owe to yourself as an adult is to establish those boundaries for yourself and absolutely know when to say no. Like that is something that's going to serve you for the rest of your life. And that's something that's going to get you to where you need to go within your career, within your personal relationships, within your professional world. So the sooner that you start saying no to the things that don't feel right to your spirit and don't serve you, and yes to the things that you're absolutely passionate about, about and you may not have the answers to get there that's faith so once you start walking by faith and you just got to know and trust that whatever frequency you're putting out there that's what you're going to receive back and that is literally the power of manifestation and the word no
situation. Just a hype man in the room with you. Just to let niggas know. All right, there's certain times when I say niggas, and I definitely mean white people. while the soundtrack plays.